Hi, Amanda. Hey, Tinny. How are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. How about you? I'm doing okay. It's been um, a tricky couple of months. Yeah. Um, which I think it has been for you too. Yeah, it has. I think there was something funky in the atmosphere because it's been a challenging time for a lot of people. Yeah, it really has. On a world stage as well. On a world stage, exactly. Um, so I think based on that, I thought, I didn't think it was your idea, um, it would be good <laughs> to do a podcast perhaps on resilience. It is also Mental, mental Health Awareness Week as yes. well. So I think it seems like a timely moment where we were all having to be a little bit resilient anyway, but also with Mental Health Awareness Week, it seemed like a nice time to do a podcast on that. I think that sounds like a fantastic idea and the timing is right for us to probe this on Open Access, which is the podcast that looks at our world and our industry through the lens of our own agency. It does indeed. Now, I like to start some of these podcasts with doing a little bit of a dictionary definition, mainly to help me, you know, ask some <laughs> questions, but also I just think it's an interesting, an interesting way of, of starting at a topic. So I did have a look at um, the dictionary definition of resilience, uh-huh. um, and I actually had a look at a couple of definitions. So firstly, the Oxford Dictionary defines it as the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties or toughness. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I didn't Quite frankly, I didn't love that description. So then I looked at another one, which mm. was the Merriam-Webster um, dictionary, and their definition says the ability to recover or adjust easily to misfortune or change. And actually, I much prefer that one, specifically for that word change. Um, I think when we talk about resilience, we often talk about it, you know, something terrible has happened. But actually, it doesn't always mean that something terrible has to have happened for you to have to feel a bit shit about it. Sometimes change is horrible and doesn't make you feel good. And it is often, it's difficult to feel, you might feel some guilt about feeling bad about something like change rather than something, like if it's not hideous. Right. There is a guilt associated with like not feeling great about it. Right, yeah. And I think, for me, the Merriam-Webster um, definition, I think, encompasses a bit more um, of human feeling. Yeah, I agree with that. And in our work right now, resilience is quite a buzz word mm. in terms of cultural awareness and a lot of the trainings that we go to. And I agree that I'm not sure that it is addressed within change. And being agency people, change mm. is what we deal with every day. Yeah. Um, th- that is really the difference, right? When people talk about being in-house or being agency, yeah, agency is chop and change. And that could be due to a manner of things. So I agree that that is an important part of it and change is one of the biggest stressors in our life, mm-hmm. undoubtedly. And to your point, even when it's positive change, they even report with lottery winners. Yeah. That this huge thing happens to people and it, they should be grateful and yet they freak out. Yeah, that's um, true. So it is a big deal. There's something else about that definition that I really like, which is that whole idea of misfortune. Mm. Because to some degree, it really absolves the person who requires resilience, that absolves the recipient of that misfortune from blame. And it's so easy to have really negative self-talk when you are feeling unresilient or when you're feeling down. So I, I, I also enjoy that part of the definition. Yeah, and I think that is actually really important mm. to be able to even just acknowledge that something's a bit 
rubbish. Completely. And that might have happened to you. Yeah. I know that there has been a lot of talk about the difference between sympathy and empathy mm. lately. And there's a funny meme that went around the internet about five years ago with this like very sympathetic but nasty goat talking to, I think, like a mole or something. Anyway, look it up to see the goat. Um, but what I think about empathy is it is that ability to also sit face to face with somebody and say, things are a bit shit and we can admit that we don't have to immediately move into a, a phase of oh you'll get over it i have faith in you to overcome this i think that's a sympathetic response but it's not an empathetic response yeah and that's really important and actually i did want to talk to you about that i think in in terms of resilience in the workplace mm -hmm. i think we are trained and programmed into almost immediately going into the everything's going to be fine let's look forward let's mm -hmm. do this um how beneficial do you think that is to our own resilience on a personal level it's that's a two-pronged issue in my opinion because there is importance to sit and lick your wounds at some stage yeah. you have to especially if you have been dealt a fairly serious blow there needs to be some time to reflect on that before somebody just shunts you into the moving on stage. However, in somewhat of a double speak, as a leader, I feel it's incumbent upon me to at least be able to go to people with a plan mm. or acknowledgement of the fact that there can be a plan or there can be a way forward. And I don't like to do that at the... Um, I don't like to do that in a way that wastes time. I'm not one of those people that holds on to information until there is a plan in place. I will be as transparent as possible as quickly as possible, but I think it's important in those communications to at least say, here is a way out of this. So for example, we've lost a client. How are we going to replace said client? Yeah. Um, what's our strategy for moving forward? Are we okay or not? Or somebody has resigned. What's the plan moving forward? Uh, so any of that information. I, I think it is important to, to at least show that there is a focus on the future, which helps an organization be culturally resilient. Also very different from individual resilience. Mm. Mm. Just listening to you then and hearing your thought process for it. Yeah. Um, and this is quite a personal question, so we can always edit it out. Oh. But do you feel, as a leader of an organization, when mm. something does happen, whether it's personal or professional, do you feel a sense of pressure that you yourself have to be resilient in order for the agency to be resilient? I suppose I do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever thought of it that way before. That question has not been asked before mm. so directly. But I suppose I do think that that is part of my role is to be, I would hope, a, a um, brave face is not the right word, but a, a sanguine character in these times. So that, because I think it's very easy to inflate drama. In, in our particular industry, we have communicative people who thrive <laughs> off gossip, who build relationships. That's why we're in public relations. So it is really quite easy for people to rush into something and, and make it bigger. And I try no, not to feel that. Yeah, no. <laughs> Brand new information. I mean, having said that, the whole agency is in teams right now about Laurel versus Yanni. <laughs> so. It's definitely Yanni. Yeah, and I have not been sanguine about that. It is 100% Yanni. <laughs> Anyone who thinks it's Laurel is absolutely incorrect. Potentially fired later. <laughs> I'm in agreement. Um, so what do you, I mean, just pulling on that thread a little bit, um, 
What would you say are the characteristics of resilience then, for example, in an employee? And do you actually even look for that when you're hiring? Mm. It would be hard to detect, I think, in hiring. There are probably Mm. little cues about people's level of confidence or how they might refer to past positions. If you, I think sometimes we ask that very typical interview question, which is, if you've had a failure, how have you dealt with that? Mm. Um, which can be a bit telling in yeah, situations like that. You can definitely see candidates come in who are a bit moany or who bring personal things into the mm. room. And I don't necessarily think that that is a character trait of somebody who's resilient, yeah. only because it shows that somebody's really still chewing on something and, and processing it. And, and I think part of resilience is being able to recover, move on. Um, again, not in, in a way that's too quick, as we talked about before, not in a way that's forced, but eventually to be able to move forward and regain your previous state of mind. Yeah, I think that's fair. Mm. I think because these podcasts are really just me asking Amanda a lot of questions, <laughs> so let's just dive in with some more personal ones. <laughs> um, so how do you personally manage your own resilience and do you manage it or is that just something that happens is it something you have to proactively do and think to yourself god i need to be resilient and and get out of this or does it just kind of take you that's a very good question i reckon there are times where i know in my personal life that i am wallowing and there is almost and Sadly, I will admit here that I talk to myself and I will hear myself say something like, Get God, Mole, move on, move forward, you can do this, or something like that, yeah. where I know that I have to put on a bit more of a public face mm. or just get one foot in front of the other and progress. There are other times, I think, where I've noted resilience more in a very passive way as it's happening. So, yeah. for example, in the case of um, a relationship ending, mm. you know, you've got the 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 time in your life when you're sad about it and then you just realize days of healing, days of healing where you feel better, you did something different that day and you just see your progress and that in and of itself I think feeds a chain of resilience. I think if you're aware of the positive momentum, it helps a person become resilient. Yeah, I was going to ask that question, do you you think it helps to be aware of it? Yes, which is why as we were talking before about that thoughtfulness of being in a bad situation and spending some time with it not in a wallowy way not in a self-indulgent way but at least being cognizant of what you're going through and why it's affecting you in different ways trying to talk to people about it um you know doing whatever coping mechanism people do to to be at one with themselves in a situation like this but i think it is important to recognize what you're going through and how you're healing yeah yeah I agree. And I think it just, it does just make you feel better. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Frankly. Absolutely. It's like the simplest way. If you feel like you've made some kind of progress, I think, and that's true in any aspect of life, whether that's resilience or not, or that's just your to-do list. Right. If you feel like you've made any kind of movement, there is, it, it does breed a bit more positivity. I absolutely agree. And I don't know if that is a universal feeling. I, I, uh, it, yeah. It's so easy for me to think so as we sit here talking you're about right, that because right. I've, I am a, such a fan of just positive movement. And I think in a resilient way, sometimes just putting one foot in front of the other will get you to a place. I know, Tinny, you and I have talked about this um, when we're going through tough times. Actually, it would not be my 
habit to want to avoid work because coming into work mm. is a nice distraction. I can feed off the community. I can have a laugh. It's often the times, you know, it's on the commute in and the commute back where I'm having the really thoughtful, like harder times because mm. you just don't have these distractions and you don't feel productive or, or as valuable. Yeah. You said something there that was that was actually leads me on to my next question. Um, so, in preparation for this podcast, I did do a little bit of research mm. around um, resilience in the workplace and how do you foster resilience. And the one thing that kept, I mean, it turns out there are lots of different ways to do it. <laughs> um, thank you, HR manuals. <laughs> None of them are the same, <laughs> um, except the one theme that does keep coming through. Um, is this sense of community. And I've heard you mention it now a couple of times. Yeah. Of the one thing that we can do in a workplace is foster a sense of community. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, so what do you mean by that in terms of... Well, on a very basic way, when it comes to the sorts of news that we deal with on a professional level. So I'll, I'll just talk very locally about what happened to Access in, in April professionally is that we lost a client and we had some resignations, some of which we expected due to the longevity of the staff and others which were a surprise and caught us by surprise yeah. and leave you with that moment of like, Ugh! one, how do we fill the position and two, how will this impact our culture and then you stare yeah. into the void and, and go to all sorts of places. Um, But in both of those cases, what I always find to be the most enriching is that our agency comes together so well. Mm. (laughs) And we can really dissect things and have a laugh and not place blame. And it is often, and I've said this before on podcasts, it is often the days where we've had bad news where I walk home feeling the lightest or laughing the hardest or recapping the day and thinking, God, what a positive, great culture we have. Um, I think it's easy for everybody to, to be upbeat and energetic when everything is going well, but it's mm. harder when the chips are down and that's when we really come together. And because of that, I think as a community, we find a way out fairly quickly as well. Yeah. Mm. You've just mentioned then there's no blame. Is that important as part of the resilience process about thinking about blame in the workplace and stress in the workplace? Yeah. I do agree. So in this rough couple of months that you've referred to that we've had, I did have a friend uh, write me a very sweet text that said that you can't always trust people or situations to be the way that you want them to be, but what you have to have faith in is your own resilience. So interestingly timed text for this podcast. What I like about that is I think that a work culture has to have faith in people to be resilient. So whereas there may be situations where hard conversations are required, and potentially even the assigning of blame, Mm. I mean, if something has really gone tits up at the hands of one individual person, and that needs to be called out, and that's a conversation that needs to be had in a humane and constructive way. Um, But you do have to have a a culture of trust, because I think it's it's quite a natural human habit to, if you receive spiky feedback, you can put up barriers right away. If it's too blamey, if it's too negative, it's very easy just to not sit in that moment and and think about what could have been done better and what you can do again. Instead, you'll just throw up walls and say, well, that client was unreasonable. Those objectives were never realistic. This team doesn't support me. And automatically, you're just, you know, like, yeah, batting away the criticism instead of taking it in. So you do have to have a healthy, somewhat blameless culture in order to have that reflective time. 
So what would be your advice for other leaders um, in terms of how do you foster that community and mm-hmm. by that I mean foster resilience? The first thing I really believe in is this idea of transparent and fairly quick communications. Mm-hmm. And I, I will say this with a, um, a, with a note of admission and also potentially a grain of salt because we are surveyed quite frequently on our culture here and we get fairly real-time feedback. And some, as much as it says, this is a transparent culture, I always will see a comment that says, sometimes too transparent. (laughs) So I think sometimes people do want a bit of protection from Mm -hmm. bad news. But what, why I believe in ruthless communication is because genuinely, I think when people don't have information, they rush to fill the void. And whatever somebody makes up is probably gonna be worse than what the actual situation is, or at least a situation that's contextualized. So communication is my first tip. The second one, and this is along the lines of communication, is to not allow backbiting or talking behind people's backs, because I think that that, to the point we made earlier, that really, um, drives a culture of paranoia, and I don't think that that is healthy. Now, I know it's quite natural for people to have maybe more strongly worded conversations behind closed doors, but I think whatever you would say behind them, you need to be comfortable at least imparting yeah. in some direct way to, to an individual. Um, and along with that, I think no drama. And that yeah. really is something that I have to say, I'm very grateful to the, to the founders of this agency. So when we opened in 2010, it was me and two other men. And I would say a core value of that leadership t- team was no drama, uh, you know, no flailing about and throwing things and banging desks. And, and they snuffed it out right away. And I think mm. that that has just carried over and has been somewhat codified yeah. in our culture. It's, it's, it really is a kind of a get on with it. Yeah. Again, the things we get dramatic about are Yanni versus Laurel, yeah, they're I not. Say, I was like, I mean, we bring our own drama in a very yeah, different way. Exactly, and that's entertaining and wonderful, but when it comes to work, it's like, instead of, you know, oh my God, this guy is falling, just yeah. figuring out how to keep going. Yeah, I think that, that is, that, and that's exactly how we are. Mm. Um, my next question is really about personal resilience mm-hmm. um, and any advice that you have for you know, someone who might be listening who is feeling particularly stressed at work or even in their personal life. Yeah. Um, how could they perhaps, are there any, do you have any tools and tricks in your arsenal to help you with those very small steps, even just at the very beginning to set you on your way to feeling a bit better? Um, the one thing I would say as someone in the agency, knowing what you have been going through in the last month or so, um, something that I see as, as an employee that I think has been hugely beneficial is that you have been quite open and honest about the fact that you know things haven't necessarily been great either in your personal life or even professionally and then you've been talking about the ways that you have dealt with that mm. so you've said you know what I'm gonna go for a yoga class mm. because mm-hmm. this will help me feel better I'm gonna you know I might be late in tomorrow or I'm gonna go for another one because this has happened and it's now ruined my last year <laughs> so I now need another one today. Um, but even that conversation mm-hmm. is helping us all be like oh god we don't just have to be like this is fine and we have to go home and, and deal with it we can feel like actually this has been a bit of a shit day so 
let's all do something nice to, for ourselves and yeah. you know, get a face mask or whatever it is that we want to do. Yep. I think even just that conversation has really helped us in the agency think, okay, well, yeah, I also feel a bit shit, so maybe I'll mm-hmm. do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and allowing us all to be a bit more kind of proactive rather than wallowing. Yes. Yes, I really believe in that. And I think there are two strands of this that are important to call out. The first is, is my belief in the whole thought that a problem shared is a problem halved. Mm. <laughs> so the ability to be able to talk about it, to feed off the community in a way that's professionally appropriate yeah. and with probably select individuals. I don't think it's, yeah. it's very natural to broadcast your troubles to the world. Um, but especially in an employment perspective, there are things that we can do for people who are really feeling down. There's employment, there's employee assistance programs, there's people mm-hmm. that that there's professional help that we can provide yeah. um, but along those lines if it's not quite that severe and it is just somebody who says I'm in need of a yoga class I need to leave at five I really need some time for self-care that is a perfectly valid thing to do what worries me about professional constraints is that we have devised in our heads a list of valid reasons for mm. people to you know, bunk off work early or stay yeah. home, it, whether it's picking up a child or a doctor's appointment or something mm. that, that, you know, there's there's sort of a constructed list of, yeah. of excuses that we accept. And I've heard people laugh and eye roll at millennials and say, oh, this person said that they couldn't work on a Tuesday night because they have a jam making class. <laughs> and as much as that, you know, yeah. you, I, I think some of us who have been fairly tortured in our earlier careers go, oh my God, I would never. Um, That is valid. Everybody's life is valid. Everybody's choices are their own priorities. And and to be able to talk about something that somebody needs to do in order to give their best at work, Mm -hmm. that's an important conversation to have. And there will be times where maybe you do have to, to shelve the thing that you want to do the most because... I can't make jam tonight, Amanda. You can't make jam tonight, Tinny. <laughs> Actually, you can. <laughs> it's true, I can. Um, yeah, so I, I think open communication is key and then just being able to state plainly what you need. But in order to know what you need, often you need time to, to reflect with that. So Yeah. I mean, I'm going to ask a slightly spiky question. Oh my god! Based on that now, yeah, which may get me into trouble. So this may be my last podcast. <laughs> Next um, week, a new host. <laughs> um, I think it's all well and good saying, "Yeah, I need to leave early because I've got a jam making class, mm-hmm. or I need this for my my self care." But in reality, is that is that our industry? Can we do that? And I, I know this is going to be a difficult thing to say, and you may not have the the right answer, or we haven't figured it out yet as an industry. Mm. But we we talk about this a lot in our industry about mm-hmm. about you know work life balance and flexible working and all of this stuff, which all sounds great, and we are all on board. But then when you have a client uh-huh. who is asking you for something unreasonable. You know, then it all comes down to what, like, how do we do that? Right. That is an excellent point because the whole thing here is that people need to do things professionally and they need to be able to be counted on. So we do, we've talked about the fact that we can benefit from the community. We have to recognize that we are parts of a community and we can't leave our team members hanging equally. So thank you so much for flagging that because there are times where you're not going to be able to go make jam or you leaving early is not an option or a duvet day. Don't probably do that when there's a big event that you're on the hook for. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes you are just obligated to do your job or to be a good teammate. And and I believe 
very strongly in that. I do like to give people faith and somewhat of a level of autonomy to prove that they have that, but if they fall down a few times, then you do need to pull them up on it and say it's, it's yeah. no longer a privilege. I think it's difficult though, because I think those times where you are very stressed and you probably do need to be a res bit resilient are those times when you have a big event mm -hmm. where you probably do want that duvet day mm -hmm. or need that duvet day. So I think it is that balance of how do you how do you manage that? And I guess what you're saying is it's about trust and trust in your community and your community being able to trust in you. Yeah, absolutely. Which I think is fair enough. Um, how important do you think is holiday to this whole oh, equation? Oh, I think holiday is hugely important. <laughs> <Your> favorite topic. <laughs> <laughs> My eyes just lit up. Um, yes, holiday is. I, I think holiday is important for a number of reasons. I think um, it makes us. I have never seen somebody return from holiday who was not more energetic, who didn't have a creative idea, who wasn't exposed to something that they brought back to work. So there's a huge uh, professional benefit to taking holiday, but just that whole idea of rebooting, being in a healthy place, even if it's inherently unhealthy. Let's say you're in Ibiza <laughs> and you're, <laughs> and you know it's just rosé and and wonderful food, and and you probably it wasn't necessarily a fitness holiday, but just being in the sun being amongst friends, being with the people that you love and having that time and being off these devices, which I truly mm. do believe um, are really interfering with the way we connect with each other and the way yeah. we see the world. Um, yeah, having said that, this gets back to your point earlier about <laughs> where are the limits? Yeah. So I will never go device-free, for example, because yeah. I run the agency and a, a check-in a day is, is important. But just even being able to lay down the lines and say, you know, say in the subject that this is urgent and requires my attention so I can just be on there as, as short a time as possible. Yeah. Um, just having some control of that instead of feeling like you're being hit with buckshot. <laughs> it's important. I think it's hugely important. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I certainly felt it as I've gotten older, um, yeah. the pressure of the device on holiday. Yeah. Um, and some of that, but then some of that I do think is for my own my own mental health, oh, actually. Oh, 100%. Because I think, to your point, if you don't know what's going on, you often like think the worst. Mm -hmm. And sometimes my check-ins will literally just be like, okay, yeah. everything's still taking long, the world isn't burning, cool, I'm fine. Yeah. And it's entirely for my like my own benefit. Like No one has asked me to do that, I don't need to do that. And it's almost like a safety blanket. Yeah. A little bit. It's so true. I'll tell you what else it is. It's a good... Um, it's a good cure against inflating our own position and our role. <laughs> yeah. Because I think that we can get bogged down in this sense of like, nothing will progress without me. I need to do this. I'm the decision maker on this or whatever it is. Yeah. And when you're away and you step away and no one has access to you for four hours, hey, guess what? Most of that stuff gets accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> and Tinny, if I'm honest, when I was in Oman, I remember checking and I was like, she is so much better than me. <laughs> she is handling all these things 10 times better than I would. I should just not come back. This is not true. Uh, but I On did. day two of Amanda's absence, I had a, I had a resignation. <laughs> Which was handled beautifully and communicated that very day. So I did, I, did, I did have to tell Amanda, send her an email that said, Amanda, this is for you. Come back. I've already lost one. <laughs> she didn't come back for the record. That was in the exit interview, too. It was like, Tini <laughs> drove me out day one. <laughs> I had to manage some resilience there. <laughs> um, so, into the final point, which is how we end, I would say, most of our podcasts. Mm. Um, what three tips do you have for being resilient, either in the workplace or even just 
in yourself in life like what a, if someone is going through something or even if they're not just things to think about yeah so for personal re- resilience I would start with this topic that we've revisited a couple of times which is just a moment of reflection or not a moment some spending some time in a level of self-examination being able to separate that from a sense of wallowing, but just being very aware of what you're going through and then the progress that you're making on that journey. Mm -hmm. Because as we said, that's a bit of a a snake chasing its tail. It Mm -hmm. it feeds itself, I think. I'm not sure if I used that analogy correctly. I think in the workplace, there's a sense of communication. That probably applies to personal and professional Mm -hmm. resilience. So talking about issues listening. I'm a huge fan of actually listening to what people have to say. One thing I can't stand is, and, and Tinny, this, I'm, this is, you will laugh and call me a hypocrite, is if I just ask you for advice continually and you always tell me to do something and I never do it. Like after the fourth time I talk to you about that thing, you should be able to somehow silence me, <laughs> violently or otherwise. Um, so yeah, talking, listening, taking on board some, some next steps, trying to apply them, see what works. And then culturally, I think it is a sense of, of having a culture of faith, um, believing in people's ability to be resilient before you overmanage that process or, or think that for some reason there's weakness that may not be there. And trust in yourself. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and back to that quote sent to me by Mary Hunt, now named tagged in our podcast. Yeah, trust in yourself to have resilience. You can't always trust other people or situations, but you can hopefully trust yourself. We'll all get through it together. Exactly. Us and our little podcast community. Yes. All seven of you. I, I believe we've got a few new listeners. Absolutely. And hello, <laughs> Justin O'Neill. <laughs> a real test to put this at the end. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Amanda. I think this is, a, this is one of those tricky topics, and I hope we manage to stay on, on track for it. Um, but I think resilience is so important, and I think it's something we... I think it's taken for granted a lot of the time, mm. but um, after a tricky time and in Mental Health, health Awareness Week, I thought it'd be nice. Yes, so thank absolutely. You so thank you. Thank you for your thoughtful questions and um, for your research. Thank you for listening. Till Thanks. next time. Bye. Bye.